NBC, good to see you this morning. Welcome to church. Uh, it's my distinct privilege and honor to be welcoming a buddy of mine named Steve Weisenberger, who's going to be opening God's Word for you. That'll be him right here. Enjoy. Father God, thanks so much for uh, just our time together to open up your Word and, and just to chat and talk about you. God, I can think of nothing better else to do than, uh, than that. God, I'm just so grateful that... Um, God, being a part of the family of God, to be able to come and, you know, do pastor swaps and, and just to know that, um, Father, we're in this together. God, that we love you and that, um, that we worship the same God, the God of Isaac, the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob. And, and that together, Father, in unity, we can, we can truly, truly worship you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, open your Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. While you're doing that, let me just kind of share with you a little bit of my journey in terms of uh, Bernal Church. Bernal Church is, you know, maybe 15 minutes uh, south of here. Uh, we were a church that got down to about 15 people. It was struggling, it was hurting, and so uh, Westgate Church came in. Uh, I came in and, and we started uh, to kind of do a, a church um, restart. Very similar to what happened here. Now, in the midst of that, um, we started going to conferences and looking at other churches and looking stuff. And we went back to the Bible Belt and started visiting churches. And, and we started walking into, we walked into all these different churches that were just absolutely huge. Right? I mean, just huge. I mean, you would walk into their kids' ministry and they had jungle, you know, climbing walls. They had jump houses in there. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at all this and I'm going, I want one of those. All right, and so I'm I'm writing this down. I go into their youth ministry, man. It is absolutely huge. I mean, just big stages, big soundboards, big lights, big everything. And I'm going, I want one of those. All right, and then I go, I go in, and and, and you walk into these churches, man. And there's like these these pictures of the pastor there, and, and you know they're they're you know looking at their Bibles and just smiling, you know, just very inviting, you know, just. You know, and, and, and I'm like, I don't want one of those, but I'm thinking to myself, gosh, this is, this is awesome. And so I, I go into this ministry at Bernal and, and thinking, wow, this is going to be great with all of these expectations and, and thinking of what God is going to do in this place. It's just going to be amazing. And we start off and it's great and it's wonderful and all of these cool things are happening and people are coming and, and I start to feel the weight and the pressure of ministry just bearing down on me. It wasn't long before I started getting this little eye twitch in my eye. And it just kept, you know, twitching. My eye would just twitch. And I'd get up on Sunday morning, I'd start preaching, and people were just like, what? what's going on? I'm winking at everybody, you know? I mean, and they're like, you know how hard it is for people to take you seriously when you're winking at them and you're telling them about Jesus? All right? It just doesn't work all that well. And the weight just continued to just pound upon me of all these expectations. And being a part of this church, Westgate Church, um, and, you know, everything that they were touching was turned into gold. We'd be in staff meetings and we'd be like, you know, they'd be talking and stuff and I'd be sitting there listening and, you know, they'd be talking about how this ministry's growing, how they need to add more services and, you know, all this stuff and, and, and then they turn to me and go, okay, Steve, what's going on? What's going on at Bernal? 
And I was like, well, you know what? We're at two services and I really think that maybe, maybe we should go to one. And I started really kind of feeling self-conscious about how many people were in the seats and what was happening and, 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 and all of this stuff just weighing upon me to where I went to the gym, I was working out, and bam, it hit me. I had a full-blown panic attack. Half an hour later, I found myself in the emergency room, or actually it was urgent care, hooked up to an EKG as they were monitoring my heart. And I'm sitting there lying on the table going, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? This isn't where I thought I was going to end up. I go back to the doctor and the doctor says, well, tell me about your stress levels right now. And I'm like, dude, they are off the roof. And this idea of what success in ministry was for me, God had to come in and just totally rewire me. He had to totally just blow everything up and go, all right, Steve, here's the deal. Let me start teaching you what success truly is. And it was extremely difficult for me not to compare Bernal Church to every other church in the community. And to walk into other churches and you go, well, boy, you know what? I like that. I don't really like that. I love this. I don't really like this. Or, boy, we can do now stuff this way because they do it this way. And, and just all of that, just God had to take that and go, look, Man, this is not what this is all about. And so here's what I want to share with you this morning. I want to share with you my journey in terms of what God had to do in me, what God had to break down in me and start building up. Alright? Very interesting story in Luke chapter 9. Jesus is doing all of these amazing miracles. I mean amazing stuff. Crowds are following Him. People are just, whoo, this dude can teach. He can heal. I mean, I, I need to go find out more about him. The crowds were growing. The disciples at that moment were just in awe of not only what Jesus was doing, but all of the attention that he was getting. I mean, he was a rock star. And so his disciples were just like, wow, this is awesome. And so in Luke chapter 9, starting in verse, uh, let's start here, verse 40, 43. All right says this, and all were astonished at the majesty of God. But while they were all marveling at everything he was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, let these words sink into your ears. I love that. All right. Jesus is like, all right, I need you to listen to this one thing. All right. I want it to sink into your hearts. I want you to understand what it is that I am about to tell you. Now, understand this is in the midst of his popularity. This is in the midst of his ministry going really, really well. Check out what he says. He says, The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand the saying, and it was concealed from them, so that they might not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. So what's going on here is that Jesus says, Look, I am about to die. I'm going to be handed over to men. They are going to kill me. And the disciples said, not playing it. No way. That is not what I want. And so look at what they do next. This is amazing. An argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. Now, this is the game we play, is it not? 
This is the game. And it starts really early in life. Um, let, me, let me show it to you this way. Um, when my kids were little, I mean, I, obviously, I love playing with my kids. All right? I still do. Um, and, and when Caleb was little, you know, two years old, I mean, it was awesome. You get down on his level, you play army men, and everybody dies. I mean, it is the awesome, greatest game ever. Okay, cars blow up, explode, the whole thing. And so I'm sitting there one day, and Caleb and I are playing, and, and I just look at Caleb and I go, Caleb, I love to play with you. And without a beat, he goes, I know, Dad. Of course. Now, right at that moment, his sister, he's two, she's four, comes over, gets into my lap, takes both of my, you know, my face with her hands, turns it towards her and says, Daddy, you like to play with me too, right? I'm like, yeah, baby, I love to play Barbies in color. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's fine, right? I mean, right away, I mean, my daughter was like, oh, no way. Dad's not going to like Caleb better. No way. He's got to like me better. And guys, this is the game. This is the game we start to play throughout life. In our job situations, at home, who's the best? Who's the best? Who's the greatest? Who has the most stuff? Now listen to what happens. An argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child, put him beside his side, or put it by, by his side, and said to them, Whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all is the one who is great. Or he who is least among you all is the one who is great. So, here's what Jesus does. He, he looks out in the crowd, picks up a kid, sticks it beside him, all right, and says, look, here's the deal. If you're not willing to serve this kid, you're not the greatest. Now, you got to understand children back in that era, all right? Children were the least looked upon in society at that time, all right? Children were born either to grow up to be great, incredible rabbis, and if at a very early age they weren't, then they went to work. And that's what they did. And so if a child was put there, all eyes are now on the kid, and Jesus is saying, all right, guys, here's the deal. If you're not willing to serve Him, then don't even show up. Now, that moment, guys, their, their world would have been rocked. I mean, absolutely rocked. And you would have thought, you know what? Okay, Jesus made his point. He gets it. Let's fast forward. Go to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Lord's Supper. Incredible moment in the ministry of Jesus. Very, very intimate around that table. I mean, junk is being spewed out, all right? Judas is gone. I mean, the whole deal, all right? I mean, it's, it is intimate, and what's working on these guys' hearts is just amazing. And Jesus shares this incredible meal together. 
but they still, they still don't get it. Look at verse 24. A dispute arose, also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater? One who reclines at the table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. I came home from the hospital and um, it was apparent to me that some things had to change. Um, First of all, I had to deal with this anxiety that I was um, dealing with. And I would read verses, you know, like, Be anxious in nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Make your requests known to God. And I would raise up my hand. i go, God, um, I don't know how not to be anxious. I, I don't. I, I don't know how to do that. I, I'm, worried about, I'm worried about finances. I'm worried about um, attendance. I'm worried about whether or not people are actually... Hearing your word, I'm worrying about, you know, how do I not be anxious? I don't know how. And so I went to counseling. And I remember sitting in a room, um, probably about a quarter of the size of this room. Um, Chairs all around. And we... A group of people were sitting there and the counselor was there and uh, we all struggled with anxiety. And we just started sharing our story from one person to the next person to the next person and my heart broke. Because in that room were people that were just like me. People that were struggling with something that they didn't know how to deal with. And I thought to myself, you know what? <laughs> Here's the thing. I mean, I, on the street, I would have never known that this person that struggled with anxiety struggled with it. And now I have a connection with this person and, and the person sitting next to her and, and the person sitting next to him. And, and, and so all of a sudden, we just start sharing our stories and, and healing starts to happen and, and we start becoming transparent with one another and just going, Here's where I struggle. Here's my junk. And I walked out of that room and I went, that's the church. That's what the church should be. Where we can come and we can just share our junk and lay it out on the table and go, this is who I am. I'm not perfect. I don't have all of my cards put together. If you shoot me, I believe. And all of a sudden, this weight started to go down just a little bit knowing that look church is not a performance and it's not about who's the greatest this is what I had to come and work through 
All right? Um, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I love other churches, and I always have, and, and serving other churches, and, and, and I, I've always gotten that. But what God really had to do was He had to change my thinking in terms of my mentality from being a church to being a part of the church. All right? And so what we tend to do is we go around and we go, well, here's, here's Neighborhood Bible, here's Bernal, here's Valley, here's Westgate, here's Venture, here's... And, and, and we start looking at all these, well, there's a church, a church, a church, a church, a church, a church. And it was very interesting to me is that as I studied this, God always referred to the church as a city. It was always the church of Ephesus. The church of Philippi. And what I started to realize was that Bernal Church was a part of the church in San Jose. A small, church, a small part, but we're a part of it. The Neighborhood Bible Church is a part of the church in San Jose. We had to start changing the thinking around our place. We had to start changing our dialogue in terms of how we, how we spoke. And so instead of like an A-church mentality where we went from, hey, this is my church and my church lingo, and the way that this played out at Bernal was that, you know, I mean, every classroom was named with um, the person that taught in that classroom. So it was Jenny's classroom, or it was Robert's classroom. And we, we had to go, look, no, 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 this, is, this isn't your classroom. This is God's church. This is God's classroom. And we're joining together in our kids' ministry, along with all the other churches, to disciple and to mentor and to train our kids up in the Lord and to partner with parents. No longer do I believe that Bernal is out there all alone. We're doing the same thing that you guys are doing and the same thing that Westgate's doing and all the other churches in San Jose are doing. We had to move from areas from, from the I want mentality of church. I want this ministry. I want this done for me. And we had to change that to they need. One of the ways that we did this was um, we, we, like you, we're very close to a junior high and an elementary school. And, and we just, one year, we, we provided um, the teacher's classrooms with all of the paper, all of the glue sticks, all of the pens, all of the stuff that they could ever need for that entire year. And we just, we just did that because there was such a need with the, the budget cuts. And we just came in and we did that for them just so that we could start getting the mindset of, look, this is about what does our community need and how can we fill it. We had to move away from lingo like, we've always done it that way, to what do I need to change for God to use me? How does God need to prune me and to shape me and to discipline me? And so here's the question that I have for us this morning. How do we move from being an A-church mentality, thinking in terms of mentality, to 
being a part of the church. I mean, how do we do that? Turn over to Philippians chapter 2. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Let me, let me just share with you some key principles that came out of that for me. All right? Number one. And when I, when I say this, all right, I'm, I'm saying it to me. I mean, You've got to understand that. All right? I mean, this is stuff that, in terms, of, you know, in terms of what God is dealing in my own heart, my own junk, um, that He's pruning and shaping and molding. Um, so here we go. All right? Don't be envious of what other churches have. Instead, be joyful of what Christ gave. And according to this passage, what Christ gave was Himself. Alright? I want you to kind of think about this for a moment. Alright? The King of kings and Lord of lords came to serve you. I mean, we read passages like, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. I mean, that should just blow your mind that Almighty God sent Himself in the form of a man, Jesus, to serve me and to go to the cross. And this is how I know that this is not made up. Because if this were man-made, all deities are the ones who man serves. And God's like, you know what? Here's how it's going to work. Here's how it's going to go down. I'm going to send Christ. He's going to bear the weight of my junk, of my sin, and do it with a servant's heart and a servant's attitude. Awesome. 
And here I'm envious because another church has a climbing wall in their ministry. (laughs) That is crazy. Absolutely crazy. But we do this. We don't even just do this in churches, guys. We do this in our jobs, in our extended families. constantly trying to climb that ladder. We're constantly holding other people's faces going, look at me! Look at what I've done! Look at what I've built up! And we do that, don't we? We build up these little Tower of Babels and what does God do? He just comes along and knocks them off. And that's what He had to do with me. With my anxiety. The second thing is this. He says, serve with humility with no strings attached. Not out of competition. Look, when Christ went to the cross, there were absolutely no strings attached to that. He doesn't make me serve Him. He doesn't make me love Him. And yet, He still did it. The third thing is that we are to celebrate other churches' victories looking to their interests. Guys, you've got got a great guy here. I mean, I go out to lunch with Dave and it's always, man, hey, how how can I pray for you? Dude, how can Neighborhood Bible Church be a blessing to Burnout? I mean, that's the heart that I get in Dave. I love that. To know that we are a part of the church in San Jose and that God has given Neighborhood Bible Church a role in that. God has given Bernal Church a role in that. Is so encouraging. That God has counted these these um, bodies of Christ, He's counted them worthy to proclaim the Gospel just as Paul did as he preached Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That we are partners in that and that we join other churches in our community and we celebrate the risen Lord together should bring an incredible amount of joy. And that when another body is hurting, that really God puts it upon us to go and to serve them and to nurture them and to pray for them. Just like last week when Dave was talking about loving our neighbor. I mean, this is it all kind of fits together, does it not? Is it demanding? Absolutely. And here's where it's demanding because I have to put my own self-interest and my own wants and my own desires aside and say, you know what, God? Your affections, your wants, and your desires are far more greater than mine. And then the last thing is this. That we are only to bow to the King. We're not to bow to stuff. 
We are not to bow to programs. We are not to bow to our pastors. We are not to bow to the music that we play. We are not to bow. We are to bow to the King and only to the King. And when we join with all the other churches in that, oh, boy, to be in the throne room of God, to be able to see that. I mean, I just, as cities come together and gather during the weekend to celebrate the King of Kings. Amazing. One of the things that I constantly tell um, couples that come into my office that are um, fighting and just generally at odds with each other is I look at them straight in the eye and I go, look, you're on the same team. You're on the same team. You're, you want to get to the same place. You want to love your kids. and you want, so, so please understand that you're on the same team. And I think for us as churches is for us to understand that is that we are on the same team. to go and to celebrate. Look, the strengths that Westgate has. Awesome! But Bernal has some strengths that Westgate doesn't. Awesome! And Neighborhood Bible Church has some strengths that some of the other churches don't. That's awesome! And to be able to celebrate that and to go, God, you are so amazing! Just as there's different personalities in my family... There are also different personalities in the churches that are in the city of San Jose. And God, we want to celebrate that. Let me read to you um, a quote from a guy. Um, he, was a, he was a monk um, named Thomas Merton. And, and listen to what he says. He says, The saint then seeks not his own glory, but the glory of God. And in order that God may be glorified in all things, the saint wishes himself to be nothing but a pure instrument of the divine will. He wants himself to be simply a window through which God's mercy shines on the world. Oh, may that be true for our churches. And for, and for this, he strives to be holy. He strives to practice virtue heroically, not in order to be known as a virtuous and holy man, but in order that the goodness or greatness of God may never be obscured by any selfish act of His. This is what Christ was trying to teach the disciples. I don't think there's any greater act in the church than for the body of Christ to celebrate communion. Because we don't celebrate and, and partake in this meal as a church, as neighborhood Bible church. Scripture is very clear that communion is open to all who proclaim Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so whether they go to this church or another church or whatever church, they're welcome to come and to partake 
and to feast. It is a meal of unity, is it not? And Paul says in Corinthians, hey, before you come forward, if you're at odds with your brother or sister in Christ, go deal with that first. Be in unity as you come and as you partake and as you share the elements together. And then Paul also says, look, it's also a time to examine our hearts. Right? I mean, it's also a time for us to go, all right, Lord, here's my junk. Here's all that I am, all that I have. And God, I thank You so much for forgiving me. For being that perfect grace and mercy. The one that forgives me. And therefore, I can come with confidence and eat with confidence knowing that You are my Lord and You are my Savior. And so this morning as we do this, um, and what a great Sunday to, to, to share this meal together and to eat it with family. Because you are my family. You are my brothers and sisters in Christ. And even though I don't come here on Sunday mornings and I'm at some other place, here's what I know. Is that for those of you that have spent, or for those of you that have, have accepted Christ as your Savior, I get to spend eternity with you. And I'm going to leave here not knowing or get, not being able to get to know all of you, but I tell you what, I'm going to have eternity to get to know you one day. And we're going to eat together. Christ really knew what He was doing, right? And He really did, man. When you, you read through what He said and what He wrote, I mean, I mean just awesome. Fits. And so here's what we're going to do. Band's going to come up and um, they're going to sing a song and, and the elements are going to be passed. Um, and, and what we're going to do this morning is you're going to take the... Um, what comes first? Bread? Both coming at the same time. There you go. So hold on to it. Alright? Um, and then Ben's going to come up and he's going he's to lead us. So let me pray. Father God, as we enter into a time of reflection and a time of celebration of what You've done for the body that You gave and the blood that You shed, I pray, Father, that You would um, just take the stuff in our hearts that needs to change. Maybe we've just been struggling over um, a coworker who's who's striving to be better than we are, and, and we take offense to that. Or um, God, just in the corporate world of trying to get ahead, God, I pray that you would help us to just let that stuff go. Help us not to be envious of what other people have, what other churches have. But God, may we be faithful in serving you with humility and with love and with grace. God, we love you, and we praise you for what you did on the cross. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.